Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to Westside. If you are new here, uh, my name is Tim McDonald, and I'm a lead pastor here, and I'd love to get to know you. So grab me after the gathering. I'd love to get to know your name, your story a little bit. Um, I'd, uh, I've, it's been kind of one of those fun things. I, every time I announce that after the gathering, I'm literally meeting like new people. Oh, I just moved into town. I just moved, and uh, you know, I want to know your story. If you're out there and you and you've never met me before, please come up and and see me and my wife. Uh, we're we're not new to the church, but we are new to the role. So I'd love to get to know you a little bit. Hey, uh, last week uh, Gerald was here and he taught. How many of you were there? He did a great job, didn't he? It was so much fun, kind of seeing that kind of old relationship come back. Gerald and I used to go. To college together. I don't know if you mentioned that in the gathering or not, but uh, yeah, we've known each other for ages. In fact, actually, he was one of the first people I got to know when I came on staff here because he uh, was a part of the team at that time. Anyways, he did a great job opening up the text. He began this conversation talking uh, about what was going on at Corinth. And the passage that we were looking at was kind of pulling us into this series that we're in right now, Receive the Holy Spirit, and this church in Corinth that was wrestling with many of the same things that we wrestle with in our church, in our culture, trying to be the family of God empowered by the Holy Spirit in a complex cultural environment. Um, this, is, this is a lot what was going on in Corinth at the time. And Gerald mentioned this idea, he described our role as more of like a FedEx delivery person versus like the Avengers or the X-Men. And I know, I know, it's like superheroes are way cooler. Sorry for the, if there's any FedEx crew out here right now. Um, but, but the reality is, is the emphasis moves from the gift to the person when we think we're the hero, doesn't it? When we think we're the hero, and just to be clear, we're not the hero. Jesus is the hero of this story. He is the hero. And it's his spirit that gives us gifts that we have the privilege and the honor of giving away. That's our part to play. We're, we're partners. We're co-laborers. Our joy is pointing everyone back to Jesus, just like the spirit does. Does that make sense to everybody? I mean, this means that all of us can pray for anyone and, or for anything at any time, anywhere. We all have access to all of the Holy Spirit. As John Wimber liked to say, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to participate. Gerald ended last week with a kind of a new model of prayer ministry uh, that we're excited for us as a community to begin kind of stepping into. And we had some powerful fruit that came out of some of those times of prayer. And um, we're really excited, really anticipating the work that God wants to do here at Westside. But more than that, in our community, in our city. We believe that God, he has placed us here for this time. Every great movement of God has come, like literally been birthed through communities that are committed to prayer and faith. 
And we want to be that community. We want to be one of those places that presses back against the darkness in our city, against the brokenness, brings healing, brings restoration. And we know that none of that's going to happen unless we are a community, a house, a family of prayer. So, I want to personally invite you. We are going to have a a prayer training coming up on August 29th. I'd love to invite you to be more details coming out for this, but like kind of save the date. It'll be in the evening. As we as a community step into like praying faithfully and becoming those steadfast people on our knees fighting for what God wants to see done in his city here. Now, that said, the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into stuff the Spirit does, okay? This is kind of rolling out of everything that what Gerald was talking about in that list that Paul laid out to the Corinthians. And we're gonna break that list kind of into two big groups. One group that's dealing with words, so stuff, ways that the Spirit moves in words, and then ways that the Spirit moves in deeds. And so this week, I'm gonna tackle the words, and then next week, Shelby's gonna tackle the deeds. We're breaking them kind of into two big chunks. So now, speaking of words, though, um, Two things. First off, if you need a Bible, you're going to need it. We're going to be flipping around a little bit here. There are some men and women around the room. I'd like to put a Bible into your hand. And I'd like to invite my daughter, my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, up to the stage. Um, yeah, that's it. She's, she's kind of becoming famous around here, about the back. And it's like, you, apparently you know everything. I know all the answers, y'all. I know. I know I'm your dad, so I, I definitely know that. Um, anyways, so hey, Mackenzie is uh, going to read the scriptures for us today. So if, I don't know if you wanted to read from the Bible there. Okay. Okay, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them, each each one just as he determines. Awesome. Would you mind praying for us? I would love to. Lord, just as we um, come together as a family today here, um, we just want to praise you, and we want to say thank you for um, bringing everybody here, Lord, that needs to be here. We pray over Dad as he opens up the word, um, that you would just fill him with more of yourself, Lord, that it would be um, your words that just flow through him, because it's your words that are going to change your people, and we're expectant and excited, Lord, that you're going to do just that. Lord, we pray for AJY, the 500 students that are over at camp, God, and we just ask that you um, do the good work that you're doing here over there, Lord. We ask that you would change the lives of the young people that are over there, Lord, as they're having fun, as they're worshiping you, as they're sharing a meal over a table, Lord, would conversation um, be good and would it be honoring to you, God? Would it be um, transforming um, their lives? Would they come back, um, Lord, would they come back pointing us to you? Um, Yeah. Lord, we just ask that you would do a good work over there. We love you, Lord. Amen. 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 Hey, before you go, yeah. uh, you shared a story with me about yeah. your trip to Scotland. 
I was wondering if you could share it with this lovely crew today. I would love to. Yeah? Yeah, so um, another thing that I do, I work with hospitality over with Weston, but I also work with uh, Hear the Cry over with Weston. Um, and so we just got back a few weeks ago um, from Scotland, and oh gosh, it was an incredible trip, and there's so many stories that, have come, that can come from it. But one that I want to share with you is when we were, we spent the first week in Glasgow, and some of you guys might know Ruth Weller. She is, um, a, used to be a pastor over at um, Rehope Church, the, part, the church that we partner with over there. Um, and she's incredible. We've brought her out to do some prayer things with us. She's just, we love her. We love what she's up to. Um, so I got to have some time just to um, pray with her and meet with her and chat with her. And towards the end of our time, um, she asked to pray over me and just really felt in the, like this, in her spirit um, that God was leading her to share with me that, that he was going to give me some type of word or some type of encouragement for somebody while we were in U.S. Um, and just really encouraged me to step out in boldness and to just share that when, when God lays that on my heart. And so I left our time just really encouraged and really excited and expectant that God was going to do something um, and that he was going to use me to be a part of that. So I was really excited. Um, and then we got to U.S. and our first night, we, we did like a prayer conference um, type thing where we had a message and then a time of prayer um, a few of the nights while we were up there. And so the first night we were up there um, at the end, uh, we invited anybody to stand that wanted to receive prayer. And then any of the Portland team or the Glasgow team could surround them um, and just pray over them and, and, and listen for for any words or anything for them. And so I got to stand with, um, once this woman, Fiona, uh, stood, I got to go over over to her with one of my friends, Hannah, on our team. Um, and we just got to listen on her behalf and got to lay hands on her. And she began to kind of share bits and pieces of her story of just how she was in UIST uh, working as a midwife, but she felt like God had asked her to come to UIST and, and leave behind her family in England and just shared some of the, like, the difficulties that that, that that brought of just missing her family and wanting to be with them. And so we laid hands, Hannah prayed, and as Hannah was praying, I just got this word faithful, just a simple word of like, God wanted to remind her that he saw her faithfulness and that she was a faithful servant um, coming all the way to, to U.S. And, and when God called. And so I spoke that over her and I reminded her that I really felt like God was calling or reminding her to, that she was a faithful servant. Um, and then as I was sharing that, and as I watched that kind of struck a, struck a chord with her, she um, began to get emotional and just talk about how... Um, she needed that. She needed that encouragement and reminder that she was faithful. Um, but then I was reminded of what she did for a living and how midwives, they bring new babies into this world, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and um, just this idea, I just felt like God was reminding me um, that she was going to be somebody that not only did that for like the physical, but also for the spiritual, that she was going to be somebody that, that um, brought people into the family of God. And so I began to speak that over her as well and just saying, like, I really feel like God is calling you to be somebody that invites and somebody that um, brings people into this family. And so she comes, she finds me the next night. We walk away encouraged from that night, really cool moment, um, but God was not done. And she finds me the next night and she says, hey, I, I invited somebody to tonight. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, how, how do you know them? Like, where are they from? She's like, well, I'm moving. And so I needed a couch. And so I went on Facebook Marketplace, found a couch, went to her house and invited her. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I think I doubted in the back of my mind that this lady would, would show up. But sure enough, that I walk into the room and the first person I meet, was this um, young lady and I introduced myself and she introduces herself and I asked her how she heard of tonight and she said, some girl, can't really remember her name, um, she was going to buy my couch, didn't end up buying my couch, but she invited me to tonight. And I was like, okay, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> so we begin to have a conversation and I just get to know her over the night um, and I watch as a lot, of, a lot of our team just takes time to be with her and get to know her. 
And she finds me at the end of the night with a Bible in hand and she says, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, tell me how you got from point A to point B. And she was saying that like, on her journey with the Lord, she had kind of gotten to a place where she was like, I don't actually really know if there's one God, multiple gods, or what God I believe in. Um, but she was like, I cried out to the Lord and I said, or to any God out there, and I said, God, I just need an invitation and I'll go. Like, whatever, I just need somebody to reach out and say something, I need an invitation. And so because of Ruth's words to encourage me, because I don't know if I would have stepped out in faith if, or if I would have had that moment, but so then encouraged Fiona, who then um, reached out and invited somebody into the family of Christ. It was a really cool moment. Yeah, that's good. What an amazing story. Isn't it incredible? Just I, when she shared that story with me uh, a few, like a couple weeks back when she got back, I just was blown away at what an incredible example of God's faithfulness. Like God loves people. And he's like so interested in their story that he's like speaking to try to encourage. And, and he could do it all himself, but instead he chooses to partner with us, which is just mind-boggling to me. There's this phrase we've all heard before out on uh, the playgrounds of the world. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. It's a fascinating kid's rhyme, but I think if we're more honest with ourselves, we know that it's not quite true, is it? There is some unique power in words. Growing up as a kid who sometimes poked his nose in where he wasn't supposed to, I traded my share of sticks and stones on the playgrounds of the world. In fact, I've even had a stone literally thrown in my face before. That's a story for another time. And I'll tell you this, apart from the twitch I now have, um, I healed. I healed. That wound went away. I don't even remember why I took that stone in the face. But there are words that have been spoken to me over the course of my life that have haunted me. They, they don't go away so easily. Things that have been spoken, I think of a teammate early on in my ministry, one that I'd invested a lot of time and energy in that turned on me and my wife, accusing us of things and saying very cruel, unkind, untrue things about us. And there's, to this day, there's some of that stuff that still bugs me. Words have power. They have power to hurt. Proverbs says that reckless words pierce like swords. And that life and death are in the power of the tongue. James says that a tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, able to corrupt and change the entire course and trajectory of a person's life. He then goes on to say that the tongue is untamable. Peter says, if you want to see life, you need to keep your tongue from evil. Jesus says in Matthew that it is the things that come up out of our mouth from our heart that defile us. And it'll be our words that will condemn us. But words also have a tremendous amount of power to do good, to heal. Proverbs says again that gracious words are like honey, sweet to our soul, and they bring healing. It's, it says that a gentle tongue is like a tree of life, like that tree in the garden. It brings life to us. The psalmist asks God that his words would be found and made acceptable to God in heaven as they were designed. 
And repeatedly throughout the Psalms, the psalmists are calling us to lift up our voice, lift up our words to God in worship and in life as we were created to do. The author of Hebrews says that we should spur one another on. We should encourage each other in godliness and in goodness and good deeds. Paul would say in Romans that it is our confession of faith that comes from belief in our heart that leads to salvation. And he would later tell the Thessalonians to encourage each other, to build each other up. Words matter. They matter a lot. And not just any words, the right word at the right time matters a lot. We all know this, right? Those moments when the exact right thing that needs to be said gets said. And there's just like kind of like a quiet that gets created around that. Like, yeah, that was wisdom. That was powerful. The thing is, we need to remember that God, the source of word, the source, the source of words, speaks those words according to the scriptures for the common good. It's an invitation for us to participate. Remember verse seven of that text we just read. We're called to, to jump in, to participate together. So we're going to take a look at this list. And again, as a reminder, this is not a list of superpowers that you do or do not, do, don't have. Paul says that there are moments when the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives and he, and he works through us to move Jesus's story forward. And we're going to look at four of those things kind of uh, a little bit out of order, but four of those ways that God moves in our words through his Holy Spirit. The first one we want to look at is right at the top of that list, a message of wisdom. This is like clear insight spoken to a specific context leading to direction and peace. Sometimes um, people might call this like a word of wisdom. And Paul uses the word logos in the Greek, and it's just basically this idea of speaking one message to another. I mean, we're all searching for wisdom, aren't we? We're, God, what should I do with this situation that I'm in? Sometimes it's super clear. Should I smother my husband to death for snoring all night long last night? I'm going to go to my Bible, open it up, thou shalt not kill. Dang. Okay. Right? So it's pretty clear, pretty well laid out. But there are other things in the scriptures that are a little bit more complicated. Or should I pack everything up, sell all that I have, and move to the other side of the world and become a missionary? Hmm. We need wisdom. We need insight. We need God to speak. In Mark chapter 12, if you're still open in Corinthians, just flip a little bit to the left, you'll find Mark. Mark chapter 12, we see this uh, interaction between Jesus and uh, the Pharisees. And he says this, verse 13. Later they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. And they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He said, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So they brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God 
what is God's. And they were amazed. This was like a hypersensitive, volatile question, volatile question of Jesus's day. I mean, think like uh, our, our, our vaccine and masks times 10. It was really an intense moment. But the problem was that the Bible didn't speak, the Bible of Jesus's day didn't speak directly to this. So that's why Jesus doesn't quote the scriptures. People needed insight into what to do. And Jesus said it. I'm reminded of a time of about like 12 years ago or so. I was, we weren't on staff here yet. And I was just in this early stage interacting with John Mark and we we're talking back and forth. And Brittany and I, we'd been kind of like vocational missionaries. We'd worked as missionaries both around the world, but also locally. And we were wrestling with whether it was time for us to step out of that work back into a local church context. And I remember being on a telephone call with John Mark and he said to me, Tim, I don't want you to stop being a missionary. I just want you to come show us how to do it. And I remember when he said those words, you guys ever have that moment where like you kind of get that tingly feeling? You guys, it's a few nodding heads. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I remember hearing those words and knowing, oh, that was God. God in that moment was speaking through John Mark to me to move something inside of me. I needed more than just advice. I needed his wisdom. Super clear moment of insight that led to direction and peace. And this is a bit tricky, right? Because we all have really, we've got great wisdom to say. Just ask my kids, they'll tell you. I got a lot of smart stuff. I'm a lot, like, sometimes like Weston, I can make things up on the spot like anybody. But the reality is, is that that's very different than what this is. This is that moment where God gives you insight and he says just the right words at the right time. And this is kind of connected to the second one on the list, which we're going to look at, a message of knowledge. Now, a message of knowledge is like previously unknown information that is spoken into a specific context that leads to openness, conviction, or encouragement. It's the same word, logos, but this, in this situation, it's knowledge that the Spirit puts into your mind, giving you information that you shouldn't have about a given situation. I think about this passage in John 4. It'll be up here on the screen. John 4, 13 through 19, this very famous interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And Jesus is laying out this path to fulfilling her inner thirsts. And he says these words. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she said. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man that you are now with or now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Understatement of the century. 
Jesus is dialoguing with this Samaritan woman and, and, and he's trying to draw her into this story of this water that will quench all of her thirsts. And in the midst of that, he shares very specific information that nobody else should have known. How does he do this? Well, the Holy Spirit gives him knowledge that he shouldn't have. And it allows him to create a bridge for this woman who later would turn around and go to her village and share the story about this man who told her all the things that she had ever done. What a powerful message. I'm reminded of a time I was at, a, at the back of a church gathering. I was a part of the church team praying for people as they were coming back. And two young ladies came forward uh, and, and I asked her, how do you want me to pray? And, and the one was super quiet. She wouldn't say anyone. The other one just said, you know, she just, she just wants somebody to pray for her. I'm like, oh, okay. Is it okay if I put my hand on her shoulder? And she said, yes. So I put my hand on her shoulder and I just spent just a moment listening. The moment, that moment that I just stopped, it just said, Lord, speak. I, I heard really quickly, this young lady is starting to harm herself. She's begun down a path of self-harm. And I'm trying to rescue her from it. I was like, I, okay. I'm in my mind, I'm like, as I'm listening, I'm trying to figure out how am I gonna work this into a prayer? But I do, because God just kept bringing it back to my mind. So I, throughout the midst of the prayer, I finally say, and, and, and Lord, I, I just sense that, that this young woman, she's starting to hurt herself in ways that you don't want her to. The moment those words came out of my mouth, I felt her tense. And I, and I looked, and the, her friend shot me a look. She looked me straight in the eyes. And this young lady started to cry. It was exactly the situation that she was in. She was right at the front end. She, there was no visi visible scars. She hadn't done a lot, but she was just starting. And God saw her and said, I don't want you to go down that path. I want to rescue you. I wonder how often we, as followers of Jesus, children filled with the Holy Spirit, have those kind of promptings that just find their way into our mind and our heart, and we just kind of shut them down because it's awkward. Or it's terrifying. I mean, how do you step out and say something like that? What if you're wrong? How often God is wanting to rescue through us, call us to be his partners. You think about my story, even from several weeks back of Tom and that single word, and I had like so little faith that I just said that one word, the exact word that Tom needed to hear. That's not because of me. You don't, we don't come up with that kind of thing. Only the Holy Spirit does those kind of things. Let's keep going. Group number three, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Tongues as defined as an unknown language spoken or sung for worship and personal edification. Okay, I know that this one can make people squirm a little bit. Some of you around the room are like, I was kind of hoping you'd skip over that one. But the Bible goes there, so we're going to go there. The word tongues in the Greek is the word glossos, where we, we use that word to form the word glossary. And it just means languages. The tongues Paul is alluding here, we're assuming is the same kind of tongues that he points at in chapter 14. And so it's this type of worship or expression 
to God in an unintelligible language, meaning that we don't understand what we're saying. Compared to, say, those in Acts where the people were speaking a language that was known by others. And in that moment, there was a translation because the other people knew it. In this case, people don't know, which means that the interpretation of tongues is when somebody around you suddenly understands what you're saying. Now, there is way more that we could say about tongues and it's coming up. There's, in chapter 14, Paul goes on to say a whole bunch of things. I want to encourage you, go there, read about it. But let's just say that Paul puts tongues on the bottom of this list because, as it turns out, tongues was kind of like the problem child for the Corinthian church. People were thinking to themselves, hey, I'm super spiritual because I speak in tongues. And Paul is going to spend like an entire chapter kind of debunking that. He starts by putting tongues at the bottom of this list as if to say, it's not as important as what you think. And it turns out, tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit that we don't actually see in Jesus' life. life. And, and there could be lots of reasons for that, lots of speculation on it, but it seems that the point is that tongues is not the point. Now, I want to be clear. It can be a very powerful part of worship and it, and, it, and it brings incredible clarity sometimes to people as they participate in. But when the speaker becomes the center of the conversation, aka becomes the hero of the story, it becomes an idol and a distraction as it was in Corinth. Now, on the flip side, I want to be super clear and say this. We need to be careful about measuring our obedience to the scriptures by what makes us more or less uncomfortable. You guys tracking with me? Just because something makes me feel a little awkward or feel a little bit uncomfortable doesn't mean that we just kind of skip over it in the list. We need to engage it. I mean, we've got to remember the Bible is filled with all sorts of odd things. There's, there's a moment where God speaks through graffiti on a wall, right? Another moment where he chooses to speak through a donkey. I mean, God can speak however he wants to speak. He can engage us however he wants to engage us. Let's not sidestep the gifts of God because they feel awkward. There's so much more that we could say here, but I want to keep going to the last one on our list. Number four, prophecy. God's word spoken for the moment to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Now, the short version is this. We follow a God who speaks. And often, he speaks through his people. If I had one like little like hidden hope in the midst of this message for us as a community, it would be to demystify this word a little bit to bring a little bit more normalcy to the idea of this big word, prophecy. I mean, sometimes prophecy is about looking into the future. We see that in the scriptures, looking out over the horizon into events that will come. Other times, though, prophecy is just about cutting to the heart of the current situation, the present, the place where the person is in. I mean, one example of this in the life of Jesus we see in Mark 13, it's that moment where Jesus, he's walking with his, di his disciples through kind of the temple area. And we read this in verse one, Mark 13, verse one. 
As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Jesus looks up over the horizon into AD 70, the moment where the Romans would come into Jerusalem, set fire to the temple and push the stones off of the temple mount. And he's also cutting to the heart of the moment with his disciples and saying, hey, all this stuff that you see around you that's got you so entranced, all of it is temporary. It's all going to pass away. And he's right. I was in Israel a handful of years ago, and I got to see these massive stones, stones that are like the size of a car on the ground off of the Temple Mount. Literally, it happened as Jesus said it would. But the point that Paul wants to, to point at in Jesus and what we see in Jesus' life is that that same spirit lives in us, providing us with opportunities sometimes to even see into the future, but more often than not to deal with what's currently happening in our present. I mean, that story that Mackenzie just shared was a great example of that, right? Like in a great example of simply listening to God, hearing his voice, speaking it out to somebody else who heard his voice, spoke it out to someone else, heard his voice, spoke it out to someone else. And suddenly you have a young woman whose life will never be the same. I mean, even the images that, that Mackenzie shared of like, you know, I, I, I know that, you're a bir- uh, that you uh, bring babies into the world. I feel like God wants you to know that you're gonna bring spiritual babies into the world. Within three days, that very thing happened. Again, my, my goal is not to say, look how amazing Mackenzie is. She is pretty amazing, <laughs> I will say. My goal, though, is to say, look at this incredible God that we serve. This God that reaches out through us to transform the lives of people around us. You might be sitting there thinking, yep, except for me. I'm ordinary, Tim. I don't do this stuff. Well, have you ever been sitting in your car driving along and had like, a face come to your mind or walking, maybe you're walking home from work and an image pops in of a person and a need. Maybe there's a verse attached to it or maybe an image or some specific thing that God's saying, like, I want you to step into this. And then you, you text that person, you find out that that person is actually in a tough spot. It was the exact thing they needed to hear in that exact moment. My friends, that is a down-to-earth form of prophecy. That's you being a conduit for God's spirit to change the life of someone else. Remember 1 Corinthians 14. uh, Gerald shared this passage last week. Verse 1 says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I mean, Gerald pointed exactly at this passage last week. Strengthening. What does it mean to strengthen something? To reinforce weakness. Is there, is there a person in your life who's in a weak place right now? They just need a little bit of strength. Maybe God's given you a verse for them, or maybe God's given you resources to, to step in alongside of them. Or encouragement. Maybe, maybe there's a, play, a person in your life right now that you can be the one that, that fills them with courage. Maybe there's a big obstacle in front of them, something that they're wrestling with and trying to, trying to deal with. You can be that pers- person that speaks into their life, that gives them the courage they need to overcome. Or comfort, putting your arm around a person or being that shoulder to cry on. Is there someone in your life right now? Maybe you've, you even, you woke up in the middle of the night thinking about them. Maybe you have this this hurt in your heart for this person and God's speaking to you right now saying, this person, I I want you to bring comfort to them. Remember, these gifts are for the common good. We We don't want to pull ourselves out of God's story if he's trying to drag you in as a partner. We want to say, yes, Lord, yes. Joel 2, verses 28, it's a passage that Acts points back to, and it says this, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days. This is the image of the church. Joel points at it prophetically, and later, Peter stands up announcing to everyone, this is, this is what the church is going to look like. And what is it? A spirit-empowered, multi-generational community of men and women speaking God's words for the moment, strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. God pours out his spirit. So 19-year-old girls and 48-year-old, I turned 48 two days ago, that's so old now. 48-year-old guys, we get the opportunity to play. We get the opportunity to come to the table and say, yes, Lord, I want to participate. I want in. I want my life to make a difference for the sake of your kingdom. So speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's the invitation. It's not that complicated. You don't have to be a big P prophet. You can simply be available, hands open. Now here's the thing. That last verse on that chat, on the passage that we read in the beginning says that that the spirit is gonna do whatever he's gonna do. That's what it says. All these are the work of one same spirit and he distributes each of them just as he determines. It's kind of like Jesus' words. Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The Spirit's going to do what the Spirit's going to do, which makes all of this a bit tricky because it's not like we can create like a little list and say, okay, today I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, because the reality is, is that we're not the ones fabricating this work. Remember, our job is not to control the Spirit. It's not to manufacture spiritual experiences. 
Our job is to allow the Spirit to draw people to Jesus through our life. And all that means is we need to be open. We need to create space. We need to listen. One of the things that struck me about Mackenzie's story was each one of those women that were a part of that story spent some time listening, then being moved by the voice of God to step into the next person. It was kind of like a Holy Spirit version of the game Telegraph, right? Passing down this beautiful gift. The Spirit is at work. So on that note, we're going to participate today, this morning, together. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit atypical in church. I want you to take your Bible, set it aside, and bring out your phone. Okay, I know, I know. Some of you, that's like, well, that's just, it's the same thing. That's why my phone is my Bible. Great, awesome. And I want you to open up your messages app. Okay? We're going to take a moment to participate together as a community in a powerful expression of God's work. Can you imagine? I mean, hundreds of people out here. Imagine the force of the Holy Spirit's voice speaking in this moment through all of the voices that are in this room. Just think of the echo effects. I mean, Mackenzie just shared like one person to another person to another person to another person. Imagine that happening here. The multitude of impact. And we're going to experiment a little bit with it. So I want to invite you to close your eyes and open up your hands if that's the most comfortable. We're just going to listen for just a second. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your invitation to play. And Lord, right now, we just ask that you would speak to us. Spirit, we pray that you would come in a powerful way. Silence those voices, the enemy, all the competing thoughts in our mind. And would it just be your voice that we would hear? Lord, we ask that you, you would reveal a name or face, just one person. Maybe this is a family member, somebody that you're close to, or maybe it's somebody that's far away. Could be a person that knows Jesus, maybe it's a person who doesn't. But I want you just to kind of like imagine that name. Imagine that person right now. And Lord, we want to invite you right now as we, as we think about this person. Would you just share with us, Lord, an encouragement? Maybe a strengthening, maybe a comfort? Maybe it's from the scriptures. Maybe it's a song that you've heard recently. Maybe, maybe it's an image or, or an idea. I want to invite you right now, courageously, in this moment, Take your phone. 
write their name, and start typing out a text to them. Maybe, again, it's something really simple, but here's the, here's the one little caveat. Don't be the hero. Don't be the hero of the story. Don't make this about you. I just thought this, dot, dot, dot. Make Jesus the hero. Be courageous. A phrase, something simple like, the Lord put this on my heart for you. Or as I was praying today, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you this. I want to encourage you. Take the message, type it out, and send the person a text. You'll be glad you did. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your goodness for us, with us, to us, that you love us so much. That in this family, you, you would ask us to participate as brothers and sisters together here in this room, loving each other, encouraging each other. You, you invite our participation. We just say thank you for that. And Lord, right now, I, we pray as a community for each one of these texts that's going out, I pray for power and transformation and change. Would lives be changed as a result of just the words of encouragement that come from this room today. We know you're that God. We know that you're the God that meets people in their story. So we just pray this in your name, Jesus. Bless these words for the sake of your kingdom. And it's in your name that we pray.